Hello everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Outside the Huddle. This week we've got another new combination of hosts as well. It's Peter and Rob alongside Andy for a look back at this week's goings on in the NFL. Rob, nice to see you back, Brad. Cheers, thanks Andy. Hi Peter, yeah good to be back after a couple of weeks. Hope you're both well. Yeah, looks like you've managed to avoid serious harm to yourself on your ski trip. Yeah, all back in one piece, thank you. Um, and lots of missed by the looks of it in the NFL. So yeah, good to, good couple of weeks catching up on the podcast and look forward to going through it some more this week. Peter, how's life? Yeah, ticking along nicely. Um, um, whenever the NFL is as uh, busy as it currently is, always gives something interesting to uh, um, catch up on and, and, and talk about. So looking forward to it. Yeah, the, um, the crazy, I would say the craziness has plateaued slightly of late, but the you know, the NFL gods were kind enough to give us a fairly major talking point uh, this week, certainly, of course, the, the trade of Tyreek Hill. Um, the speed at that, at which it unfolded was, was quite something. It went from sort of following it on social media like you do. It went from hmm, the struggling to agree a deal in Kansas then he was a potential trade candidate. Then it was narrowed down to Miami and the Jets. And then he was a Dolphin. And that happened within about 15 minutes, um, or it looked like. So five picks in a deal uh, and three in this draft as well. Um, came as a bit of a shock to a lot of people, I guess. And But when you trace it back, the player, apparently, I didn't know this, but Tyreek Hill had tweeted something in mid-March Um which people just thought was a bit obscure at the time. He tweeted something to the effect of how he was forever indebted to Chief's kingdom. And, he, you know, you'd never forget that. And apparently the word was that he had a year left and they were trying to work on an extension, but they knew they had to free up some, some more kind of cap space and look at a long-term project. So apparently he had a choice, a bit of a choice as to where he might end up as well. And, um, you know, so the nice weather and lack of income tax aside, no real shock that he chose Miami. Oh, but I thought, and didn't he tell the whole of the world the reason he went to Miami is because Tua is the most accurate, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL? <laughs> well, yeah, that's quicker, quicker than I thought we would get that in, but well, well played. Um, it, I mean, is this a case of someone who... Well, I forget how old. Is he 28? Is he about 28, maybe? He's got his ring. That's done. And now he's just making... It's just simple. He's making as much money as he can, surely. Well, this is... This is all on Devontae Adams, isn't it? Because apparently um, they were fairly close to a deal until the Devontae Adams deal broke. And Tyreek Hill turned around and, understandably so, said, I want that deal. And... Because uh, the Chiefs are paying Mahomes through you know, a half a billion pounds or whatever it is, the cap hit is huge this year. Uh, um, they um, they weren't able to offer him that, that deal, and therefore he's walked. So it's something that we as Bengals fans have had a, um, a close eye on because we know we're going to have to pay two of our wide receivers, and I think. Um, um, the Bills wide receivers looking at the right now and thinking, hmm, maybe I should be having a, a better deal than I currently got. And it's going to have ripples right through the NFL. It really yeah. will. Just yeah. as quarterback contracts have ripples through the NFL, like you know, 
paying goodness knows how much money to a game manager for another year. Um, uh, so it's happening at wide receivers as well. Funny as that is, I don't know. Don't know who you're referring to. Who was I referencing there, Mr. Vikings fan? Let me get my. Let me just get my pile of Kirk Cousins' top ten stats out quickly. Uh, I'll save that for another episode. Uh, did Did you were you back when this one unfolded, Rob? You got to see all this happen. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and as you say, it was it was pretty rapid um, on Twitter, wasn't it? Throughout throughout that afternoon, just how it unfolded it was incredible. Mm-hmm. The, the speed. It felt like there was some stuff going on behind the scenes before it got released. But um, yeah, fingers crossed. I think not that's the a, case. Yeah, fingers crossed he's not on a catching bonus with Tua, but <laughs> how he can go from Mahomes to Tua is um, it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, he's obviously going to be happy with his contract and, as you say, he's got his ring. So what what motivates players at different stages of their careers is, is different for everyone, isn't it? But, um, yeah, he's always been a, a steadfast selection for me and any uh, mates' fantasy drafts. Mm. You know, I've always been keen to pick up Tyreek, so... Um, whether that continues into this this season, it's probably more, a bit more doubtful. But where he comes in the rankings for wide receivers, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. I think he'll catch plenty. I really do. I just think that most of them will be behind the line of be behind the line of scrummage. <laughs> so the there'll be plenty of play action and plenty of movement just as the Chiefs did. Um, uh, I think Miami will will adopt that style, mm. and you'll see him. Um, Running behind the line of scrimmage a lot, and then there will be short passes, and expect him to um, to create from that. They've yeah. obviously got Jalen Waddle um, uh, uh, as well. I mean, it is. But you gave the obvious reasons um, why Miami, but in terms of the quarterback, it is a bit of a strange pick to go from Mahomes to Tua because as talented as Tua, you would hope he would be, it's just not manifesting itself uh, so far. And I have to say, the biggest interest for me is that with the signing of Teron Armstead at uh, tackle and then the signing of um, uh, Hill, it now means that Miami Dolphins fans will not have any more excuses for Tua because they've been making excuses year in, year out. Never his fault. So let's see. Now he's got everything around him. He's got an offensive line. He's paying the paint with those for um, Teron Armstead. He's got wide receivers. He's, they've brought back Siki at a tight end. They've got a running game. They've got a defence. No excuses now. Let's see you in the AFC Championship um, game. This is it, isn't it? I mean, the, prior to the Hill move, the Dolphins fans that I follow um, were, were all pretty happy about the business that was unfolding. Um you know, like I say, the tag Gaziki, they brought in Armstead, which was the big one they wanted. Um, Cedric Wilson was quite a nice low-key yes. um, pickup we talked about. Running back-wise, Edmonds and Moster, you know, they needed bodies in there, maybe a little underwhelming at times. But, and of course, new QB1 in Teddy Bridgewater as well. Yeah. Um, so, game manager. They're all in. And uh, but, but that's an interesting question I was going to come to. How much does that? All of that, and then adding the hill move on top of that, change their prospect for the season. Do they suddenly elevate themselves into a contender bracket? Because they're, they're sitting at about forty, anywhere between thirty-three and forty-five to one with the spread of bookies at the minute. Okay, well let, let's start with the AFC East. Are they going to win it now? 
Are they going to beat the Bills now? No. No, exactly. And the fact that you had to really stop and think about it suggests um, otherwise. In which case, are they going to make a wild card spot? Right, Because they're going to be up against the Broncos and the Raiders. They're going to be up against the Ravens. They're going to be up against the Chargers. They're going to be up against um, the, the Colts or Titans. They're all going to be competing for um, a playoff spot. Um, assuming that the Chiefs Bengals, um, Bills, and Colts or Titans win win their division. So I don't think that. I mean, it certainly improves the chances, no doubt about that at all. But it's, there's a hell of a lot of pressure now on a, um, a, a rookie head coach, a an unproven quarterback, and a collection of players who yet to mould into um, in, in, into a team. It's um, pressures on that. Surely is. Um, Rob, we were talking about Mahomes and the the Chiefs brought in uh, Valdez Scantlin. They'd already signed. We were talking about when you were, when you were away. They brought Juju in. Um, so, I mean, what what does it mean for this offense now? Because it, it all ran through Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. Um, they've got Andy Reid. There was a wily old operator, and Mahomes is super talented. They've also got an abundance of picks, uh, 12 picks in this draft. They could package something together. I saw something today that said um, they're still interested in a big-name receiver for trade for, and it was DK Metcalf was the name being banded about. So do you back sort of that combination of Reed and Mahomes to mitigate that the loss of Hill and still keep them right up there as a, as a big contender? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, they got, I think as it stands right now, they've got picks 29 and 30, I think, in the draft, haven't they, for, for round one. Um, they've obviously brought in two decent receivers. They're not stellar. They're kind of grade, grade two, grade three, maybe, I don't know. But they're they're okay, really? but they're not going to, well, <laughs> they, they can do a job, but they're not, you know, they're not that tight kill. No, no one is, but um, they've got the, the ability to then go, go and focus on that position, either, as you say, in a, in a trade. Or um or through or through the draft, so mm-hmm. the potential is there for them to pick another one out that they can then take their game forward again. But it's always been the running game as well, which has been slightly less of a less of a prominence for them mm-hmm. with with their running back uh, selections, and, and maybe that's where they focus a bit more. Going. I think this gives the Chiefs the ideal opportunity to evolve. Because we've, we all know what the Chiefs are and have been for a number of years and you know, very explosive um, in the passing game, deep ball, deep ball and speed. And it's worked. They've won their division plenty of times. One ring to show for it, two Super Bowls, which perhaps is not a, a, um, enough for them. But now is the opportunity to evolve. Hill's gone. And w- will they have a more rounded game? Um, I'd like to see them run the ball more. Um, I, I, obviously, obviously, I am not saying that Bengals should claim credit, but the Bengals showed the whole of the NFL how to defend them by only rushing three and dropping eight into coverage in the AFC Championship game. Um, by the way, um, the last pass thrown to Tyreek Hill as, an, as a Kansas City Chief was picked off by Von Bell in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Just saying. Um, I, I could see them going for someone like Jameson Williams in the draft. 
he's injured, he won't be available straight away, but he's got that speed that they would cover nonetheless. And perhaps the most recent wide receiver that they, they picked up is just to hold fort until Jameson Williams is, is fit to get uh, to go. Um, but as I said, I'd like to see the Chiefs evolve um, and become less, I say one-dimensional, it's really tough to call them one-dimensional because that dimension was bloody effective. But but it is one-dimensional, has been one-dimensional, and teams um, may be able to work them out because they were fortunate to, to sneak past the, the Bills in the playoffs. They didn't sneak past the, the Bengals in the playoffs. So... Um, yeah, were it not for the overtime rules, which I'm sure something we'll get onto um, uh, later, they may not have got past the the bills. So um, it's time to evolve for them. Yeah, fair point. Uh, I, I, what I will say, without a doubt, the worst thing to come out of this whole thing is people trying to make a big thing out of cheetah and penguin. I'm, I'm just not having this. I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. The, the link up with Jalen and Waddle, and that is a scandalous nickname. Um, cheetah as a nickname, I can I can get on board with. It's cheetah's a great animal, fierce fierce predator. But I like penguins. Penguins are great, funny, cute, brilliant animals in their own right. But that is a nickname is shocking. Who wants to be known as the penguin? <laughs> smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. It's terrible. So it got me thinking. What are the worst nicknames in NFL history or sport? You must have some some shocking nicknames to throw out there. Oh, you put me on the spot now. Well, look, um, I don't know about shocking, but I can give you the best one. Go on. Former former Wigan Athletic defender Fitz Hall. One size. Remember yeah. Fitz Hall? One one size. That's it. He was just known as one size. That's just a fantastic, fantastic um, uh, nickname. God, it's a name I can re- I can remember a, a footballer yep. of that name, but I, you know, <laughs> can't remember much else about him. And the well and the well known nickname because you know Rob, you picked up on it straight away, didn't you? What a player! What a player! He was a bit of a journeyman, wasn't he? he had quite a few clubs, didn't he? I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well. I did have a look at, at NFL specific ones as well, and there were some interesting ones that um, some of them, some of them not the most creative. There was a guy called Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, who played in the fifties, had a very unique running style. Obviously, um, this one was the least imaginative nickname ever: Billy White Shoes Johnson, because he wore white shoes. I mean, what does does that even warrant a nickname? Just it's fine. Uh, Walter Payton, legendary player, shocking nickname. His nickname was Sweetness. That's not no. a good. That's not a good nickname no. for a for a professional sportsman. Sweetness apparently, dual meaning, referring to his silky moves on the field and his pleasant off the field demeanor. Terrible. Yeah, and I'm putting Penguin out there as the worst of the lot. If he if he's going to stick to that, tragic. Um, um, what about Big Dick Nick? <laughs> What's that? Who's this, Peter? Is this still a sport? Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Oh, After his um, Eagles first Super Bowl victory. Big Dick Nick. I've never like, heard him referred to as that. Have you not? No. What about the nickname for Bill Belichick? 
I feel Belichick. I thought it was going to be something a lot more crude than that. I bet there's a few floating around for Bill. Captain Kirk. Oh well, that's not too bad, is it? That's that's an obvious one, but yeah, but but the thing is, I mean, Waddle created this situation for himself with that stupid celebration as well. So it's his own doing. Terrible. Um. A couple of other topics that we, we've kind of talked about previously and they've come back around again, I suppose, today. Uh, we talked about overtime rules and there were some propositions put out a couple of weeks ago and decision made, I suppose, as, as such today that um, you you told me about this, Rob, so I'll let you field this one. What, what, what is the upshot of the decision? I think it's just in the postseason games, isn't it? For now, mm. or whether that whether that gets yeah. um, amended or reviewed as as time goes on. But yeah, they've they've, um, they've confirmed the proposal for both teams to now guarantee a possession in overtime in a in a postseason game. So a slight a slight change, obviously, for those games, but not in not in regular season games. A very good change as well. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think I said on the pub previously that in the AFC Championship game, the celebration of the Kansas City Chiefs fans when they won the toss in overtime and therefore were going to take possession and they thought they were going to do exactly the same as they did against the Bills just showed the importance of the toss and that can't be right in the sporting um, um, arena so I think it's a very good uh, um, a good rule and, and, and you're right the, the original proposal was for it to ch- the overtime in, in regular season as well but they adapted it uh, amended it I should say um, just to to, to um, the the playoffs. Here's an interesting thing, though. Tactically, does it change much? What are you going to do? You win the toss. What are you going to do? I mean, to me, I'm deferring. Mm. I want the ball second because I know that the game can't be lost. Mm. Yes, I'm, I might be playing from behind. I may be seven points behind when I get possession, mm. but I want I want that ball last. So I've got the opportunity. My my face in my hands. What about you? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Actually, I hadn't actually given that any thought because yeah, we, we we don't get to the postseason. But um, <laughs> I like I like that idea. Yeah, Rob. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm just going to read out one of the th- the third bullet point of the the playoff rule. See if that, that changes anything. So, the, if the team kicking off to start the overtime period scores a safety on the receiving team's initial possession, the team that kicked off is the winner. Right. So, in other words, if you score when the other part, the other team has their possession, yeah, okay, I get yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Speaking from somebody whose team went to overtime a lot last season and felt like we lost quite a few of those, is would you have been bothered if they'd held it across every game? Would you have thought that was fair enough to just make it a blanket rule for the full season? Well, I, I think that the opposition to it was all about um, injuries to players, make them play longer and more likely to, to get injured. And the NFL obviously are very keen to limit that. They're obviously worried about their own liability. Um, and, and, and therefore, there was a bit of an opposition to the prospect of both teams having possession twice, I think. Um, and, and therefore, if they did this right across the full season, they just increased the chances of liability um, with, with injuries. So I suspect that's why they haven't done it yet. 
I haven't seen much reaction. I did see Mike Tomlin um, saying that he disagreed with it. I know the Vikings voted against it. Um, not sure on what basis. Mike Tomlin said he disagreed with it because purely on the basis that he was old school and he didn't fear a sudden death situation. Um, and he, th- he thought it should stay as is. But also, he's not expecting to be in the playoffs. <laughs> <in the country. laughs> Uh, Mike Tom, I like um, Mike. do I do? I uh, said, so, uh, listen, I, he's he's the Steelers uh, and therefore our rivals head coach. But I've great deal of respect for him. I, I, I like him as well. Do you, do either you gentlemen follow college football too much? Yeah, I don't do, know. do you know what the over? Do you know the overtime <laughs> rules there? Um, they. I won't know it precisely, but they start on something like the 35-yard line. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it's almost like a penalty shootout, but much more balanced than penalty shootouts we have in soccer. Um, it, it's a little bit contrived. It's not the same as this rule. But you could, again, it limits the amount of play. And therefore, you, you could see the NFL, they were having to try something different further down the line. They may follow the college game. Hmm. We shall see on that one. Uh, the Rooney rule was back under the spotlight uh, earlier in the year, of course, when coaches were being fired and hired across the league. I didn't see this. Apparently, I think the announcement was made this morning, UK time, but I didn't notice it until um, not long before we started. And this is all about diversity guidance, as it was called on the BBC. <clears throat> So we know the Rooney rule is obviously about improving access to interviews for head coaching and GM posts for ethnic minority candidates. So this is latest guidance takes things further than that. And as you said prior to recording, Rob, is really quite specific uh, in saying that franchises must appoint what, what the guidance is referring to as a diverse person as an offensive assistant coach. Um, and I believe the NFL are going to supply reimbursement towards the salary of those such hires as well. So that was, I don't know, it feels like quite under the radar. I don't know whether people are picking up on it later on, but uh, yeah, like like you said, Rob, really deliberate and really prescriptive steps being taken. Yeah, my my first reading of it was I was quite surprised by the the specificness of the the roles that they stated. but I think as we talked about before, it does make sense in that if head coaches are underrepresented by, and it does include females as well as ethnic or racial minorities in the statement, and, and if the, the trend or the, the percentage of candidates for head coaches are coming from more offensive coordinator roles, then I guess it does make sense to try and filter a, a higher volume into, the, into those positions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very um, calculated and specific guidance now isn't it to, to try and improve that that situation and Brian Flores is obviously you know through through the summer or through the through the club postseason actually kind of highlighted that and the, the lawsuit that is accusing the NFL that's that's going on is um it's pretty bringing that to the fore at the moment yeah I mean I think um the reality that something needed to happen something needs to be done whether it's the right thing we don't know only time will tell. The Rooney rule was brought in 
to try and do the right thing, it hasn't worked. And therefore you've got to try something different. And yeah, I, I, I welcome this. Um, as we sit here on the evening of um, Monday evening, if you went on the NFL website, there's no headline about it. There's no details, no information on the NFL's own website. Yeah. No, no the, 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 they talk about they change the overtime rules, but that's about it. So it, it's, I think there's quite a bit to be ironed out here, mm. but the, the principle is right, um, and they've got the beast in. They've got to do something to try and redress the the obvious imbalance that, that exists. And it's not just this sport; there are plenty of other sports as well, as we know. Yeah, it, it's it's clear in the numbers, isn't it? Eight eight head eight head coach um, posts filled uh, going into this season. Two two of which went to minority applicants means there's five minority head coaches in a league of, of thirty two teams. Yeah, we need to the, the game needs to move forward uh, rapidly. In, in, and in and that's that's the point that you. You referenced them more. Head coaches are um, offensive coaches, and therefore minority coaches on the offensive side of the ball are needed to to start redressing the the imbalance of the head coaches eventually, um, and to actively insist that teams. I mean, the, the last recommendation, if I remember rightly, is if you have a minority head coach you get a third round extra pick in the draft if I remember right. I mean, am I remembering that wrong no no that does ring a bell I, I can't remember yeah I do know I do know where you're coming from there um, but it hasn't changed anything so they've got to you keep on putting forward new method new um, procedures in place until the, um, we can see a profound impact um, for the good mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the minute, um, the minority representation, it, there was an increase last year to apparently around 40% of, of coaching roles overall. Um, but the league had said they were specifically disappointed with head coaching opportunities and offensive coordinator role opportunities. Um, whereas in terms of playing rosters, you've got about 70, I think it was a little bit over 70% uh, ethnic minority of, of playing staff. Mm. Yeah. There's not much, not much positive news coming out of the Giants, just to bring Giants into the topic briefly, but not much positivity going on with the Giants right now. But um, they have made two uh, female coaching appointments in the last in the last month or so. Um, one as a minor, minority coacher, coaching an offensive quality control coach. Um, and just before that, they brought in a lady who was going to be the director of coaching operations as well. So... Um, it does sound giants aren't alone in this, but they are reaching out not just to ethnic minorities, but also to try and increase the diversity of female coaches. I think there's a really, isn't there a really, um, excuse my ignorance on not knowing the lady's name, but there's no really successful female coach in the college college circuit somewhere at the moment. I think I'd seem to see someone mm, that's really up and coming, sure. um, really high profile. I seem to have seen on ESPN, but maybe that's the trend. Maybe there's okay. Um, Kelly Klein is now the executive director of football operations at Denver Broncos, and she started off at, 
the Vikings in 2012 and, and the University of Minnesota as well. So um, it does seem as if we're getting more women coming through. We're of course seeing um, uh, women officials now um, uh, more and more. Um, and my team have um, women at the, right at the top uh, and they're on the diversity committee um, uh, at the NFL. So uh, we're going to hope that they, they chip away at these um, biases or uh, um, inequalities that, that exist in the game. And uh, uh, the more they can put in, in place to do that, the better. Yes. Now, Rob, you brought the the, Vi uh, the Vikings, I was going to say, the Giants into the conversation there. Don't, you know, have at that any time you want to, but you're not getting away. That was something very positive, but you have to tell everybody what it was you said to us today <laughs> about, about being a Vikings uh, I've done it again, a Vikings fan, about being a Giants fan at the minute. It's because you're both the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look on at Wonder, I, you know, I look at ESPN and other, other news sources, um, a lot to try and get the news and hope there's going to be some positivity around around the Giants and all, all these blockbuster trades that have gone on the last six weeks or so. And it, you can't you can't just help but look on in in wonder and marvel at uh, the opportunities that some franchises are creating for themselves. And obviously, we're in a bit of a pickle with the uh, the the fudged up cap situation we're in at the moment. It's just stopping us from making any different trades. But it's <clears throat> yeah, I said to you guys, it's like <clears throat> being invited to a a party at school and all the best looking girls are, are there and you're, you're really excited, but you end up just being locked in a cupboard underneath the stairs with a, a cup of Fanta and a, a bag of, uh, a bag of crisps, don't you? And it's just, you know, you're not actually invited to the party really. You're just kind of there in person making up the numbers, but actually you're just, you're just kind of looking on lustingly at everyone else <laughs> making, making their move at quarter to 12 before their parents pick them up. <laughs> Um, how much of this is fantasy and how much of this is reality? <laughs> this this sounds like this is burnt into your soul. This is deep. Yeah, I'm giving giving you insights by childhood now, aren't I? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. about the curtains. There's yeah. a there's a real world experience tied up in there. I think it's great. Oh, definitely. And I forgot as well. Turn, turning into a therapy session tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we were getting very heavy with that. I did forget, and I must... I'll give James a shout-out here. James is still struggling after his uh, COVID infection. But we asked him if he wanted to have any input into what we discussed. And, of course, he had some Dolphins-related uh, input to put in. And he, well, I'll throw him under the bus here, he said... That he couldn't make the show, but please rip into the Dolphins for the Tyree kill move. So I asked him to specify, uh, just for the Dolphins fans out there. He said, uh, the move could prove pivotal for a historically mediocre offence to finally become explosive. A fairly high-priced pay for a team that doesn't feel they are only one top receiver away from being a true Super Bowl contender. Which I thought was a very astute take on the situation yeah. looking at the bigger picture and we've spoken about this before um, there seem to be two schools of thought about roster building roster management um, there is the classical old style which my team the Bengals are using which is you draft you, uh, you develop and then you fill out holes using free agency right and there's the, dare I say it, newer approach, which the LA Rams have 
sunk everything into, which is to have with draft picks. Who wants a rookie who you can't rely upon? We'll trade them away to teams who do want draft picks. And, and in return, we'll go and get stars. We'll have um, a, um, well, the Real Madrid's of a few years ago would have called Galacticos. Mm. They'll go and get all these big, big stars on big contracts and make up the rest of the roster with also Rams. Um, and it seems that there are other teams are starting to adopt a, a similar um, pattern of, well, let's trade our draft picks and go for the big stars. Obviously, it's slightly different with quarterbacks because you are nothing if you've not got a quarterback. Um, if you've got a game manager, you're stuck. But um, So trading picks for quarterbacks is is different. But when you're trading them for, for wide receivers and um, yeah, the, the Texans draft a few years ago sent two first-round picks to the Dolphins for a, a left tackle, didn't they? Um, so it just seems a different path. How, how do you guys feel about it? Um, I would be... Yeah, I do agree with James on that because I think it's it's like it's amazing to add a player of Tyree Gill's calibre to just plug and play. But the first thing you look at is their line was terrible last year and apparently they've done... A bit of work to fix that but like you said earlier then it's all down to the quarterback and I don't know what he is and I don't think they've got the quarterback to make the most of the weapons that they've got and I think they'll find themselves in a bit of a middle ground situation mean all the while only, spending a lot of money in the process they can only afford Tyreek Hill whilst they're not paying to her Mm. So when mm. to his fifth year option and then second contract comes up, then they're going to struggle to afford him in the same way as the Chiefs couldn't afford mm. him and pay Mahomes at the same time. So it maybe it's a bridge wide receiver to help to, uh, to see if he's actually worth mm. a second contract. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Franchises have to do it at different times depending on their needs, don't they, I guess? And yeah. Make make those choices and and gambles. You know, look at what the Rams have done. You know, when's when's their next draft pick? Um, Twenty twenty seven. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, but they've got a Super Bowl, so they don't care. I mean, yeah, exactly. And that's the short term um, gamble. Yeah, give me give me five years of mediocrity in return for a, um, a Super Bowl ring, and as a fan, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, hell, I supported the Bengals through the 90s and we had a decade of mediocrity and still haven't got a, a rink. And that's the beauty of it all, isn't it? It's everyone can get their turn eventually. God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> it must be my turn. Need, uh, a court, need a quarterback first, mate. Just, I'm just saving all of this up. This is going to be it. Oh, speaking of quarterbacks, Andy Dalton has found yes. a new home. He's got a. Yeah. Well, there's a battle, isn't it? Andy Dalton versus Jameis Winston. Mm. And not not versus Taysom Hill, because the new no. head coach said Taysom Hill's going to focus on being a tight end, even though they're paying him as a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, we could have told the Saints he's not a quarterback. The whole of the NFL could have told the Saints that a long time ago. But no, I mean, I, I'm delighted for Dalton. Um, he's um, He's a good, solid pro. Um, I thought he was fine for the Bears. It was a perfect bridge to help bring the rookie through in that first year. 
um, didn't quite work out like that. But um, yeah, I, I hope that Dalton will beat out Jameis, at least by the time the Bengals play the Saints this year, um, because the Bengals fans will enjoy um, playing against Dalton. Well, have we got anything else to throw in before we wrap this one up? Just going back, mm. if I can, very quickly, you mentioned about uh, DK Metcalf. Mm. Did you notice that um, it, it, well, you were talking about him on base of the, the Chiefs, but did you see one of his tweets uh, a couple of days ago? A Green Bay Packers fan tweeted him saying, the door is always open to Green Bay. To which his response was, then you better shut the door because it gets cold at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Coming, coming from someone who lives in the rainiest city in, in, the, uh, in, the, in, in the US. But um, yeah, shut, um, I think Metcalf shut the door himself there, didn't he? He does seem a very obvious name for someone to move on when you're talking about where he's at now and the fact that yeah. team, teams like the Chiefs, the Chiefs have got these picks coming out of every orifice that they could package up for to to send to a team who are in re, absolute rebuild. So, um, yeah, it does seem like a, a bit of a fit there, but we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yeah, I mean, what, uh, what would it cost? A first and a third? I don't think he's two firsts, is he? No, no, not if you have to pay him very soon. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, it might be worth it. Inst- in, instead of using a first on a wide receiver coming out of the draft, and you know, never know whether they're going to be a Jamal Chase, um, um, a Jefferson, or they're going to be a Jalen Rieger and, and the like, hmm. um, you just don't know. It's a bit of a, a crapshoot in that respect. So if you could offer a first and, let's say, a third or a fourth for DK Metcalf, why on earth wouldn't you? Yeah, get them used up. Vikings really want someone. Go on, Rob. We're what, four, four weeks away from the draft now? Is there you boys yeah. hearing much about movers and shakers and trades and well, packages? It's been, reported, it's been reported this evening that Lions have fielded calls from the two overall pick. Really? I mean, why would the Lions do that? Mm, yeah. I mean, I know them rebuild, but they've got two first-round picks already. But, uh, um, mm. Depends how far they had to go down, but I suppose if if you could go down to ten or eleven, you're still going to get a really decent player. If you could pick up future firsts as well, so you've got two in this draft, two in the next draft, maybe you would then. Because what's the alternative? Who are you going to do? Are you are you going to pick Malik Willis at two? Not so sure about that. Are you going to pick an uh, offensive tackle? Well, there's still decent ones at ten. Are you going to pick a, uh, an edge rusher? No. There are some edge rushers who are going to be dropping out the first round altogether, like Carl Loftus at this rate. So maybe maybe it's worth um, dropping down if, 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 if you can get future first round picks out of it. That'll be interesting. Who, who's coming up and for who? Is it for Millie Willis? Really? Yeah, that's something we can start, uh, I guess, in the next few weeks. We need to shift our focus towards looking. More closely at the draft, looking at we can have a look at QB hungry teams um, and see. Let's start piecing our draft work together. Peter will be able to steer us nicely on that. He's an expert. <laughs> well, I won't say expert, but it's certainly uh, I, I'm a draft geek. But um, it, it's interesting this year that the 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 quarterback class is so underwhelming 
that you've got QB uh, hungry teams who are looking at bringing in vets just as a stopgap because next year the quarterbacks coming out of the draft look very very good so you've got people like the Steelers giving a contract to, to Mitch Trubisky you've got the Saints who are saying okay we'll, we'll keep it Jameis Winston um, you've got the Dolphins who said no we're going to get Teddy Bridgewater um, rather than these quarterbacks who are, don't look NFL ready no, very, very happy with my game managing quarterback this year. Look at that. And on that bombshell. Quarter, quarter, yes, a quarterback quandary. Not good enough to actually win in the, in the uh, playoffs, but not bad enough to get you a high draft pick to get you the perfect quarterback. I, I remember a playoff win. Quarter, quarterback purgatory. Could be worse, couldn't it, Rob? It could be, yeah, it could be the Giants. There you go. There's always somebody worse off. So Yeah, especially especially if you've got the sixth overall pick with, with plenty of quarterbacks you could pick from and you decided to go for Danny Dimes. I know, I know. It's all about next year. All about That's next year. Exactly <laughs> right. Um yeah, we'll 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 start getting stuck into that and that'll give us a, a month leading up to the big big uh, week to to try and learn some stuff, see what we want to do. But uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, gentlemen, tonight. And um, we'll we'll wrap it up and have a very good week. We'll speak soon. Cheers, chaps. Good day. Good day. See you later.